Mac Power Users, episode 151, iOS Photography with Jeff Carlson. Hey, everybody, it's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie Floyd. Hi, David Sparks. How are you? I'm coming down off uh, episode 150 with all those guests. It was so fun. <laughs> it was quite an adventure, wasn't it? Yeah, we got to do more live shows. That was my lesson because it was really fun having a live audience. Although I did get distracted a few times, but you know, people seem to like that, and they really like it when we screw up. Well, that you know, you can see it live. So there you, uh, go. you for, can see how the sausage is made, and then hear how David would prefer you to cook it. Um, yeah, exactly. So follow uh, Katie and I and Mac Perry's on Twitter, and we'll start putting announcements out a few days in advance. Uh, this show, show isn't live, though we don't have a live audience, but we do have one of my very favorite people on the show, Jeff Carlson. Welcome to the show. Hello. I, you know, I'm such a stalker of yours, Jeff. I, I really like the way you write. Jeff has written many books over the years on a multi, uh, multitude of technology subjects, but one of your real talents is photography. And I met you in person, I think, at the first time at the uh, Mac Computer Expo up in Petaluma several years ago. We were both oh, speakers. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we sat at the same table. It was really a lot of fun. And I got to meet your wife. And Jeff is one of the good guys. And, and in addition, he's, like I said, a really talented photographer who is really interested in using iOS technology, particularly the iPad, to improve his photography game. And we've done shows in the past on photography, but we've never really done one focusing on the iPad. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity. And also to point people to Jeff's really good book that's uh, out now in a second edition called The iPad for Photographers. And, and Jeff, uh, this book is all about how to take pictures with your iPad, right? Yes, that's all it is. It's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's how to look really cool while you're taking a picture with your big iPad in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. There yeah, needs well, to be a book on that. Yeah. It's got a big lunch tray on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's not just that. It, it does oh. give you advice about that stuff. But also, Jeff teaches us all of the great like post-production stuff you can do with your iPad uh, on location, in the studio, and other places, like if you're on vacation and you want to have a really great way to to manage the metadata and the other pieces of your of your photography with your iPad. So so that's what we're going to do with today's show. I think we will go ahead and start talking about um, shooting with the iPad, you know, treating it as a camera. But but stick around if that's not your bag, because there will be something that you will get out of this. We have a, a lot of different uses for the iPad in photography. But but let's go ahead and, and attack that first one, uh, Katie. Before yeah. we started, uh, shoot, before we started recording, story. yeah, yeah go pre, share pre show because you know I I just got back from vacation for sixteen days and I was in Alaska and it has just some of the most beautiful scenery that you've ever seen. But between the four cameras that we had on the trip, we came back with about you know fifteen hundred photos and I think I've managed to cut that down to about seven hundred photos and I'm gonna have to cut it down even further now because I mean how many photos of half whale fins do you really need? Um, but I cannot tell you how many people I saw on this trip, and they all fit into a certain category. I might get in trouble on the podcast if I describe that category. Well, since I'm I'm part of that demographic, I can say they well, were well. They all, were they were all middle aged, geeky looking white men. So yes, David, yeah. <laughs> that's hair shaped. You know, I, yeah. I 
Uh, you check all the boxes with me. You're you're fine. But 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 here they and 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 what was funny is their wives would follow them or lead lead ahead of them, and they would all have good cameras. But but here come the guys trotting trotting out of the bus with with their with their iPads, and it's just like oh my goodness, I. I at one point wanted to take a picture of the guy taking a picture of the mountain with his iPad, but I was scolded and told that, that was rude. So I did not. Well, but. see, I want to defend him because I, I, I understand that. I mean, sometimes, you know, what's the famous saying, Jeff, the best camera you have is or the best camera is the one you have with you. That's, That's right. True. Yeah. And, you know, the the I current shipping iPad has a camera. And I, I'm not certain of this, but it's roughly equivalent to the iPhone four camera, I believe. I think that's right, yeah. And so so the current shipping iPad, I remember when the I, iPhone 4 shipped and everybody said, whoa, what a great camera. Now I don't need to carry my carry camera anymore because this is good enough. I mean, there, it wasn't that long ago that we all thought that was a great camera. And maybe that's all they have. Maybe they have you know their BlackBerry in their pocket and they have their iPad and they want to take a picture. Yeah, I, I think there's also uh, th- there's that, and I think there's also the fact that you know the iPad does so many other things. Um, I'm gonna just you know put myself right in the the bad geeky category right now. Um, it, it's sort of like when I got uh, like an old PowerBook. I want to say G3 or G4. Um, at the time, my wife and I we had a television, but we did not have a DVD player. We just had a VHS player. And so because I felt it important to justify my purchase, I was like, no, but see, like, like the, the, the power book, it has a DVD player in it. So all we have to do is it's hook it up. It's a DVD player too. The, oh, we, we just have to hook it up to the TV. Yeah. And so, um, she never really bought it, but, um, you know, said, okay, fine, go ahead and, and, and get it. And we did not in fact use the DVD player on the TV because I think like six months later, you could buy a DVD player for fifty bucks or something, but um, you know, I I think part of this is you have the iPad already. It's doing other things, whether you know email or web or reading books, whatever. And hey, it also has a camera. So why do I need to carry two things? Why can't I just you know step off the bus, take a quick shot, and then share it on Facebook real quick? I don't have to do any of that crazy importing or wait till I get back to my computer and then it's done. And I think for a lot of people, that convenience is really, really powerful compared to the fact that, you know, the shots aren't going to be great. They're, they're definitely decent, but not as good as what you would have like a, you know, a, a dedicated camera or even say like an iPhone five. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, going to your I power. Am. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> going to your power book, you know, another thing you could have sold your wife on is you could have fried an egg on the keyboard. But, but, yeah, you know, but <laughs> you also have to buy like fifty dollars worth of cables to make the old power book hook up to the TV, and yeah. But anyway, exactly. Uh, getting back to the photography and the iPad argument, I, I guess I can buy that a little bit more with the with the iPhone, and and certainly the iPhone camera hasn't always been as good as it is. And I I will tell you, for ninety five plus percent of the photography that I do, which is just casual everyday snapshots, the iPhone camera has replaced that. Um, you know, again, part mainly because that is the camera that I have in my pocket the whole time. 
But when I have decided and paid a lot of money to go on this special trip where I'm, you know, supposedly going to see bears and caribou and, you know, eagles and things like that, uh, you know, that's that's not the camera that I'm going to use for for this particular thing. But but I will admit, you know, I, I went and I took my, you know, my big girl camera, but then I, I also would take a quick snapshot with my iPhone, too, of, you know, a, the same or a similar scene and upload that um, you know, right away because I'd want to post that to Instagram or I'd, I'd want to post that to Facebook or Twitter or something like that. So I, I, I certainly understand the the appeal of of using those devices to to get your picture out immediately. Yeah, and also as geeks, it's you know we have I both of us have iPhones in our pockets, and d- despite me defending iPad as a photography device for taking pictures. I don't think I've ever taken a picture with my iPad because I've always had the phone and I could pull out my pocket. But, you know, put yourself in the shoes of someone who doesn't have an iPhone or a smartphone with a good camera. That may be the best camera you have on you. And it makes sense for them. And and so, so Jeff, what is the trick to taking pictures with your iPad? Well, I think the the trick is, well, you're not going to have a whole lot of options um, especially if you just use the built-in camera app. And it, because, you know, it's really designed, Apple has, has done a good job of really making it so that you just point and you shoot and there you go. Um, and, you know, and, and it does a pretty good job. Um, I would say, you know, not relying heavily on the Zoom feature because it's it, it's a digital Zoom, so you're, you're, you'll end up with slightly fuzzy images. And that's Although, the again, case with the iPhone too as well. I mean, they're all digital, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. So so you're not going to get any really good zoom, especially, you know, if, if you're in Alaska and you see an eagle, um, that's going to be a really interesting four pixel blob on your on your photo. If you take it with your iPad, but you're like, look, honey, there's an eagle. In fact, um, you know, I have pictures from when I went to Alaska, even using like a little point and shoot camera uh, years and years ago. And th- there was a point where I was like, like, look, that's a bear way, way, way down there. You just see this like little tiny brown smudge. Um, but what I would recommend is there's a, a program called Camera Plus for iPad. And um, some people may already know it because uh, it came out on the iPhone first. And what that does is it it has, you know, all sorts of filters and stuff that you can you can do and has some editing capabilities and all that, you know, um, Wizzy, wizzy kind of stuff. Uh, but what I like it for is the capability to separate your exposure control and your focus. So on the, the built-in camera app, you can tap anywhere and basically say, this is where I want to focus, and the iPad will, will attempt to um, focus on that and also adjust the overall lighting based on that area. Yeah. So, so for instance, if you've got a person you're taking a picture of with a bright background and you tap the person, it will focus in on that person and it'll dial down the um, the um, the lighting. So that person is hopefully more than a black blob and the, the background will get really dark. Whereas if you tap behind the person, then that person just turns into a black blob. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, and. What, what Camera Plus will do is you can actually split those two things. So you can say, I want to focus here, but because the person is, is you know, a, a, mostly a silhouette. But I want to take the exposure meter 
And I want to bring that over to a darker area so that'll bring up the, 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 the brightness for that person. It may blow out your highlights in the back, but that way you're not, you can be a little bit more creative in how you frame your shots so that you don't have to, you know, put the person where you want the, the, the exposure to be. Um, and it, it just gives you a little more control over that. And it also has some other cool features like um, a, a high-speed um, shutter and, uh, I think, you know, timers and things like that. Now, Jeff, but, is this is this camera plus spelled out P-L-U-S or with the plus sign? Because they've got each in the App Store. Oh, of course. I think it's it's with the plus sign. It's okay. by uh, Tap Tap Tap, I think, off yes. the top of my head. Yeah, yeah the, the game people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all of these tips that you're giving us for iPad photography, will most of them also translate over to the iPhone as well? So if people are listening and say, well, I'm not going to take a picture with my iPad, but I will with my iPhone, will most of what you're telling us also work on the iPhone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in fact, the I think the apps are – I think they're exactly the same now. At At, at one point – I don't think that there was a dedicated iPad version of it, and then they finally uh, ported it over. Um, so that's that's good. Um, I think another going back to to like like why people shoot with these. Um, I think another big reason for it is that you have such a big viewfinder. Yeah, I mean it's a you know ten inch or was it a nine inch viewfinder? Yeah, and and so that's why I actually um, in this edition of the book. I added a, a chapter about shooting with, with your iPad because in the first edition, the only camera-equipped iPad was the iPad 2, and its camera was just crummy. I mean, it, it was terrible. It, it wasn't even worth mentioning it other than saying, you know, yes, you can take pictures, but they're not going to be very good. Yeah, and it's, so, like, it's like they put that camera in there because everybody was complaining with the iPad 1 that there there was no camera. They're like, okay, happy, you got a camera. Exactly. And, and then they also wanted to do, you know, FaceTime video and it's, it's fine for doing video, but I'm sure that they realized people would be taking pictures. I would not be surprised if they were surprised at how much people ended up taking pictures with their, with their iPads. But I think that, that the iPad mini, in addition to being, you know, small and light and, and, and more portable really fits better into the the I'm going to use it as a camera because it's it doesn't feel like you're holding up a lunch tray or you know blocking someone behind you from seeing something even though they can see the big screen and I think that that has made a big impact in in you know how many people are, are starting to um, take pictures and I think there are now more uh, photo apps that let you do things with the cameras. Um, so it, like another example, um, is, uh, is the thing that I just forgot because I was about to mention it. Um, I stop motion. So the, yeah. the, the, the Boinks people, they, they have a, an app so you can do, um, stop motion animation and you can, um, you know, control it, uh, just using the camera in an iPad because now the cameras are much better or, you can hook it to another iPad wirelessly and control that or control a phone wirelessly. So my point being that, that there are a lot more options now because the, 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 the cameras have gotten better, and I think we're going to see even more going forward. 
Okay, just as a, a, a quick aside, we did that on Christmas. My uh, daughter and I were building Lego together. It's Lego, not Legos. Yeah. Just make the <laughs> record clear. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a debate. It's 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 uh, pretty much decided. But uh, so my daughter and I were building Lego together, and uh, we set up an iPhone on a little tripod and tethered it wirelessly to the iPad, mm-hmm. and we would add a piece and take a picture and then add a piece. And we, and we, it was so fun. And when we were done, we got to watch this movie of this thing building itself and literally lift up and fly out of the screen. And that's all just with iOS. Now, how'd you do the lift up and fly part? We, um, we put it on a little, like, um, it was a star Wars uh, spaceship and we put it on a little riser, but you couldn't see it with the angle. Okay. Very clever. Very Very clever. clever. I didn't didn't know if they had some kind of feature where they could, you know, green screen out a hand or something like that. I am. That's next. That's next. In fact, Jeff's going to come on our next show and tell us how to do that. But, (laughs) but I, you know, you know, I'm full of wonder, you know, and when I see things like this, I'm like, man, if I had this stuff when I was a kid and had a lot of free time, I would have been like making my own movies. Absolutely. But I think I'm running off topic. So, so the, the <laughs> iPad as, as a photography device is uh, to take pictures. I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think we should be judging those people. I, I think for some of them, it makes a lot of sense. And not everybody goes on a trip and wants to have the big boy camera. They just want to take a few snapshots. Maybe they just want to be hanging out with their kids or their, their wives or their family and, you know, take a few pictures while they're there. And, and for those people with a Blackberry in their pocket with a really cruddy camera, Mm-hmm. Uh, this makes a lot of sense. So I, I, I'm in favor of it. And uh, I would recommend, though, getting a better app to shoot with in this camera. Plus, I've got it. I was just looking on my um, iPad, and it's in my photography folder, even though I still haven't taken any pictures with it. Je- Jeff, do you know what is the camera in the iPad uh, mini? Is it is it equal to the iPad 4 camera? Or, oh, no. You know? I don't think so. I want to say, well, I think it's, it's it's probably akin to the four, not the four S, because the, there was quite a jump between the four and the four S, and then another jump to the five, and so I think it's akin to the four. Um, oh, that can easily that, be checked by a quick yeah. surf of the I'm, yeah. It's just iPad not as good. Pages, yeah. So so it's not as good, but at the same time, it is a device that seems to kind of get you past some of the complications of using the larger iPad to take pictures. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean the, the the quality is definitely decent, um, especially if it's something that you know you're not gonna frame it, you're not gonna blow it up and put it on a wall, you know. If it's something to to say, you know, look, like I'm in Alaska and here's a glacier behind me and you can see it, and you can get that shot because you have the iPad. Otherwise, you would not have that shot, and then you know upload it and show everybody. Like that's worth it right there. Now, so, now I've I've been reading through your book. I haven't read every page of it, but one of the tricks I do, and I, I haven't seen it in your book yet, is when I'm out shooting with the big boy camera, I whip out the iPhone or iPad if that's what I have with me, mm-hmm. and take a picture. Just take a, a a picture just to have the GPS data for where I'm at. Yes. And while it's not going to put exact GPS data for every place I you know I walked around and within a hundred yards, um, but it is going to give me one like location that I can use for those images. And then in Aperture, I take the metadata off the, um, the iPhoto, the I, the I, um, phone photo and apply it to those mm-hmm. other images. Um, do you address that in the book? I do. Yeah. There, there's a section, um, in, in chapter two, um, 
there are a few different apps. Actually, uh, they work a little bit better on the iPhone um, because depending on which which iPad model you have, if you have a Wi-Fi only iPad, it doesn't include the the GPS hardware. Yeah. So you, so you have to have a a, a cellular enabled one. Um, but yeah, you can you can uh, record the information um, using a couple of different apps and then uh, merge that together. It's a little easier to merge it on the computer, um, honestly. But there's like for example, there's a program called uh, GeoSnitch. Um, that works with another app. So, so GeoSnitch will record where you are as you're walking, and then um, it works with another app called ShutterSnitch to tag images based on the, the timestamps. Well, let's talk about that in a minute, but first let's cover our first sponsor today. Okay. Yeah, our, our first sponsor for this episode is going to be Hover. And Hover is one of those services that I use time and time and time again because I'm a little bit of a collector when it comes to domain names. I was burned a little bit when I didn't get katiefloyd.com and someone's just sitting on it. And ugh. But I do have katiefloyd.me and katiefloyd.net and katiefloyd.co and katiefloyd.tv and katiefloyd, you know, whatever other domain name that you want. Maybe you didn't get the .com or maybe you did and you just want to go ahead and preserve your brand by – um, going ahead and reserving all those other domains, Hover can help you with. So it is simplified domain management. And before I found Hover, I used one of those other registrars that we won't be naming. And it was not a pleasant experience, to say the least. You know, you would go buy this ultra cheap domain that was only going to cost you like seven or eight bucks. And then all of a sudden, by the time you got to the checkout, you had added $42 worth of extra charges because you had to click this and buy this and privacy that. And if you didn't want to get spammed, you have to do this. And then you got to turn around three times and spit or something. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And what Hover is, is it is simple in that all you do is you go to their website, you tell it what you're looking for. Maybe you put in your name, maybe you put a keyword, maybe, t you know, just and this magical, Brett Terpster calls it a robot, uh, but this magical robot on their site goes through and searches the available domain names and gives you some ideas. And their suggestions are really good. They're not like wonky suggestions like you would find from other of the other websites. If you've got your own domain name with one of the other services, it's easy enough to transfer it over to Hover. And Hover has guides that not only walk you through how to transfer domains from many of the other services, but this is cool. Hover actually has a guide to tell you how to transfer a domain away from their service. They're that confident that you're going to use them and that you're going to love them. Um, but they say, hey, if we're not for you, this is, this is how you get out. So you go to Hover, you pick your website, you register it. They even give you free privacy registration so you don't get spanned from a bunch of people. That's included with all the domains should you choose you want it. If you decide like David that you want to switch over to Google Apps because David is such a huge fan of Google and he loves how they have great respect for um, you know, all of his email rules because David is an email rule-aholic, um, then you can check out Google Apps for Business, which they've got, and you can get that for just 8 bucks a month. Or you can just register your domain name and be done with it. So go over to Hover.com. Figure out what you want, and then when you get there, type in the coupon code MACPOWERUSERS at checkout, and they'll give you 10% off whatever you picked up. So, Hover. Katie, you know what? I just looked on Hover. You know what's available? Oh, dear. Katie, Katie is, is angry. Not dot anymore. Com. Dot com. It's not, it's not available anymore. My hand is just hovering over the ad button. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it. All right. So, um, so Jeff... Let's talk about the iPad at location. And just following up on that that first subject, the do you do that yourself? Am I crazy for going and adding this data? 
No, you're not crazy. Um, I, I do it when I think of it and I find that I haven't gotten myself into the habit of doing it all the time. And so I'm, I'm much more likely to, uh, you know, take a, a reference shot and then add it later. Uh, but it, uh, I find that it's definitely something that, that you have to think about beforehand. Like, oh, right, I want to track where these things are. Um, especially if you're, you know, somewhere that's, that's, that's interesting, you know, rather than just, you know, hey, I'm in Seattle, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so well, Seattle's interesting to me, but, you know. It is. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like if I go hiking or something, then I'll, I'll, try to remember to, to turn on the GPS or take some reference shots or something like that. So um, what, so what do you recommend the best workflow for doing this? I mean, the, so my, so what I do currently is I just take a picture with the iPhone or it could be the iPad mm-hmm. and then I use aperture and aperture has a procedure there where I can grab that metadata and I apply the location data to the other shots. Yeah, that's it. That's great. Yeah. Aperture is actually really, really slick about that. Um, I mean, they, they uh, Apple put in a, a feature that basically just says, you know, hey, grab this information. In fact, um, uh, the the feature, and I can't remember exactly what the feature is called right now, but it as long as your your iPhone is connected to your Mac, it doesn't even need to import the photos. You can just say, take the GPS from this image, and it'll only grab that and then apply them as you want, which is very very slick. Now, now, what about just doing it? Let's say I'm on vacation. I'm not going to bring a Mac. I don't. I don't own Aperture because uh, not a lot of people don't. Uh, wh- how do you do this with just your iPad? Um, that is a very good question. Um, and thank you for asking the one that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you were talking <laughs> earlier about GeoSnitch and Geo. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's um, it's a little more complicated because the iPad's not really set up for that. And so, so basically what you have to do is you have to import your photos into, um, uh, shutter snitch, um, yeah. which I believe, and I, I could be wrong, but I think that's the only app that really, um, uh, supports, you know, tagging your images with that data. And I'm sure someone is probably like, no, 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 what about GPS? Yeah, there's so many apps, Whatever. it's yeah. hard, yeah. And, and so um, the, the one that I know of um, is this combination of, of Shuttersnitch and Geosnitch. And uh, the, the slight wrinkle in there is that when you import your photos into the iPad, normally they just go to the camera roll. And so then you would need to import them from the camera roll into Shutter Snitch, and then apply the GPS data. So you're sort of making a duplicate. And actually, we'll, we can talk a little bit more about that when we talk about doing metadata and stuff. Um, or if you have a like a wireless SD card, like from iFi, yeah. you can. Um, uh, import your photos directly into shutter snitch there and bypass the camera roll and then add the GPS data. So can, it's, can, can I pivot to that for a minute? Cause please, you, please. you saved my bacon once I, um, oh, good. I, I, so I bought an iFi card. I, uh, a while ago, you know, cause I had about, I don't know, an eight year old digital SLR. And so it was a good camera when I bought it. It was just a Canon rebel, but, um, 
you listening to you and Sean Blanc and Derek Story and some other people who I really respect when it comes to this stuff convinced me, you know, I want to get a new camera. And we decided to get a, a PL5, an Olympus uh, Micro Four Thirds. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I had a camera with an SD card slot before I'd always had the compact flash. Right. And I said, hey, now I get to finally use an iFi and be one of the cool kids. So I, I bought one of those, too. And I've had, I just, I've not been happy with it. And I, I don't think I want to turn this into a rant about iFi. But the, um, but <laughs> I wanna, was really. Do you want to tell people what iFi's do or are supposed to do? Yeah, I guess I should. Yeah. <laughs> so an iFi is a memory stick or memory SD card, you know, and it has Wi Fi radio built in. So it's pretty clever when you think about it. You take a picture and it pairs with a computer or an iPad and it uploads the picture without a wire running between the camera and the device. So for an example, when you use it with a Mac, if you have it paired to your Mac, you can be out shooting and then walk in the front door of your house. As soon as you get on the same Wi-Fi network as your Mac, then your pictures just start uploading and it's really great. You don't even have to think about it. Um, but you know, that's the theory. And, and in practice, I had a lot of trouble getting it to work and I was very frustrated because I, I really wanted it to work with the iPad. And the idea was um, I have a very social family. We spend a lot of, of weekends together, you know, barbecuing and having fun. And I thought it would be really great to have the ability to take pictures with my fancy new camera and have an iPad on the table and just have the pictures just showing up on the iPad. Because in addition to having fun together, we also like to admire ourselves, you know. <laughs> and uh, so that would be really fun. But it just, you know, I really had a lot of trouble with the iFi app. And I, I tweeted it out and Jeff wrote back, Shutter Snitch. And it, it wasn't cheap. I think was it about twenty dollars um, for an iPad app, which is not cheap, but it's a really great app. And so that was a long introduction to Jeff uh, telling us about Shutter Snitch, what you do with this app. <laughs> yeah, well, the the thing about Shutter Snitch, um, and I I went through the same thing, um, although I think uh, in your case the the problem was that was that you were trying to do this with a big audience um, because it'll never work then, especially the first time. Yeah. Um, that's like when I when I want to show something to my wife, like it it will never work. I can do it ten times up in my office. I'm like, oh, look at this cool thing, and she'll roll her eyes and walk away because it won't actually work. Yeah. Um. But um. The 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 iFi software, uh, has not been the best solution. I'll just say that. Um. And and that was kind of frustrating. And then I learned about Shutter Snitch. And I don't know if it's just because the the programmer of Shutter Snitch uh, is just a, a a better programmer or what, but um, like Shutter Snitch is really solid and can communicate well with the iFi, and so you can set it up and and do exactly what what you said. You can just have Shutter Snitch running on on the the iPad, and as long as you're within range, as you shoot, the the, the photos get transferred over to the iPad. I did this with um, a, a friend of mine uh, when she graduated from high school, she was in a, a drama club and um, they invited me to come over and like, like set up a little, you know, basically like a photo booth to take pictures after their last performance, you know, kind of like the, the last end of the year party. Yeah. And uh, they call that a rap party, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I was never much in drama. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll say that it was, um, I, I'm a and, lawyer. I'm in drama every day. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so 
I had, you know, some lights and a camera set up and all that. And just on a whim, I, I had set up my iFi to send to the, to the iPad just so I could, you know, see what I was getting. I, and I set it down on a table. Um, it was amazing. It was like, it was like piranha going to, um, uh, fresh meat because I would, you know, take some shots and then one of the kids noticed that, that the shots were appearing on the iPad and then they realized that it was happening as we were shooting. So that like caused this frenzy of, okay, like take some shots, look, run back, you know, do different poses. And I mean, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And so, um, like that opens up all sorts of other opportunities that, that I, I talk about in the books that it, it gives you like a bigger screen to see what you're doing as you're doing it rather than having to rely on the little tiny, you know, three or four inch, uh, screen on the back of your camera. Well, and see with my family of crazies, uh, <laughs> I put it, so the iPad mirrors to the Apple TV. And oh, so, yeah. so the pictures show up you know, in 42 inches and, nice. oh man, the, the, the little kids love it. And then they, just like you said, they run back and they want another picture and then they want to stick one, stick their tongue out in one. Then they want to run and look at it. And, and, um, they, we, we photo bomb, although I don't understand how it can be a photo bomb when you say I'm going to photo bomb and you stand <laughs> in the picture, but that's what they call it. So I'm good with that, but you know, it's a lot of fun doing this stuff. And what I found with shutter snitch it really made the iFi bearable, and it, but it was it kind of made me crazy that I had to spend that much more money on top of what I paid for the card. Uh, but but like you said, it captures the photos directly, so you're not going through the usual iPad workflow where you import it into your photographs. I guess is it the photographs app or photos app, photos which is yeah, the camera yeah, the, yeah, but then you got to have the camera connection kit on top of that. Well, no, I'm just saying. Let's say well, assuming theoretically, you don't have an iFi. Yeah, but let's say theoretically I could go directly with the iFi into the camera wall. Well, then all that stuff's going to start uploading to iCloud, and the ones I like and dislike are going to get there. So PhotoSnitch acts as a triage for me where I can go through and and delete photos that I don't like. And then at the end of the day, you select the good ones and you send those to the camera roll. Yeah, and I'll also you know throw in a, another plug for PhotoSnitch in that um, it also has shutter snitch, some... right? Shutter snitch. What did I say? Yeah, Photo snitch. yeah. yeah. Ah, David started it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you about my eye touch. Um, <laughs> uh, with with uh, you can shutter send snitch. email to Jeff Thank at. You. No, sorry. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. But uh, only send me email in all caps. That's that's yeah. That's the only way it works. Um, sorry. Uh, with. With Shutterstage, it also has some very helpful, like, photo-centric uh, features. So, for example, you can set up uh, alerts for, for different um, characteristics of your photos. So, um, like, one of the things that, that I uh, consistently do, if I'm, say, shooting the night before or I'm doing some indoor shooting and I turn the ISO up really high to um, increase the, the light sensitivity, and I'll forget to turn that back down, so then the next day, if I'm shooting in daylight, everything is blown out because it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's getting too much, uh, it's too sensitive to the light. Well, Shutter Snitch, you can set up a little filter that basically pops up an alert that says, you know, hey, the, the ISO is more than 200. And so as you're, you're reviewing your shots, you can see, oh, man, I, I, I totally forgot about that. 
even though you know the camera's trying to compensate for that and that um is just sort of sort of like helpful as you're working um it, you know and also it helps to like identify areas that are blown out or too dark and you know things like that that are that are very helpful when you're sort of on location and 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 need more direct feedback i would and also you, i'm sorry go ahead uh, you know we call we keep saying on location but that really means not at your home i mean if you're not a professional not photographer yeah. you could you could be on your vacation or you could be at your aunt's house or you could be at a super bowl party or whatever i mean uh, bringing the iPad along with you is a really great way to to preview and review your photos using these types of apps. Absolutely, and and also you know to to show everybody um, afterwards. So. I wish I had Shutter Snitch when I was on my recent vacation, and I knew that you had recommended something, and I just couldn't go back and and find it. So we should have done the show three weeks ago. But the the solution that I came up with, with which ultimately worked, is. Um, I didn't want to take my Mac with me on vacation, and I kind of wanted a dual purpose solution in that. Um, one, I wanted to be able to have these these pictures that I was taking with my non iOS devices and from multiple other people who were you know feeding me their cameras every night. We mm -hmm. wanted them to be backed up because you know stuff happens. Cameras get we didn't lose anyone or any camera, but you know things get fall into the ocean and you know moose and bear and lots of lots of scary things happen. I'm glad you said we didn't lose anyone. Yeah, <laughs> falling into the ocean or being attacked by moose and bear. Okay. Well, our yeah. our, our last trip, uh, a moose a moose got our camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the camera card was fine, but the moose got the camera. Anyway. <laughs> just, just you know, the... if if there's one person in the world where a moose was going to eat her camera, I'm pretty sure it'd be Katie Floyd. <laughs> for the for the record, it was not me. It was my mom. Okay. And okay. and it was it was it was the moose did not eat the camera. It was just there was excitement over the moose, the spotting of the moose that caused the camera to leave the hand and oh. you know stuff happens gravity but um <laughs> gravity happens yes but um so what what we did is i actually picked up this um it's a device called the mobile light from kensington and it it takes an sd card and one of the things that it can do is i could take the sd card every night out of my camera which um, in some instances was my iFi and in some instances was not an iFi when I was uploading from other people's cameras. So I could take the iFi or take the card out of the camera, whatever it was, put it in this mobile light and then upload those photos to the camera roll of any iOS device that I had the app installed with. So whether it be my iPhone or my iPad. So now all those in which maybe you do or maybe you don't want but I could, you know, I could edit those on the app. But now all of those are backed up to my camera roll, which if I've got Wi-Fi, or either could be sucked into Dropbox or could be sucked up through, through iCloud, or I could stick now another mobile card, which sounds a little ridiculous, but it worked. You know, stick another card into that mobile light and then back the photos back up to it. So we, you know, we always had those. You know, at the end of the day, we always had our photos in at least two places. So if somebody lost a camera or lost a lost a memory card or there was corruption or whatever, we knew that we didn't lose any photos more than a day. And the, the the mobile light had other uses too, like we were able to load up movies and things like that to watch on the plane. But that was one of the things that worked for our workflow. And then every night I could do things like we had family back at home. I was able to set up uh, photo journals in iPhoto and um, upload those and share those with people back at home. So that was nice, just you know, picking maybe the 20 best photos from the day and you know, finding some way to share those. That is, you are like preaching the gospel of everything that I, I say in my book. So, yes, that's fantastic. Especially, and, and, you know, honestly, 
um, a lot of people don't think about about backing up because you know, hey, you know, it's just my 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 images, or they you know have it on a on a hard drive uh, in a computer or something. So um, that's that's perfect. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm always backing up on when I travel because I know at any minute a government agent from wherever I'm at may just pick me up. So I got to have everything backed up in multiple places. Yes. The um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so when you, so you're on location, what else do you do with your iPad? Well, um, you can. Oh, what else can you do? Um, so I guess one of the 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 things that started me on the whole path of, of, of maybe turning this into a book, um, not to get sort of like, you know, back in the day, long-winded, yeah. but um, I, I think like the most compelling thing about the iPad for photographers is that, you know, it's, it's smaller and lighter than most computers. And so it gives you the power to do a lot of the stuff that, you would normally have to just wait until you got back to your computer or you'd have to haul a laptop along with you to do. So, for example, one of the the things that, that sort of sealed the deal in my mind for, okay, we can make an actual book out of this, um, in addition to, like, editing photos and, and applying yeah. filters and, and uploading, um, that's sort of more, uh, more straightforward. Um, but you could... Uh, Add metadata and and um, keywords and uh, ratings and basically do that sort of initial round of, of of sorting and picking and applying information that make your photos more useful later. And you can do that on the iPad, which was not something that that you could do even you know two years ago, and really sort of sort of decouples you from from being attached to a laptop or again you know having to wait until you get home because the, the problem with that is you have you know let's say you've shot you know a, a thousand photos and you know that the smart thing to do would be to go through and rate them and you know a- add some keywords and make sure you have like the the right metadata and you want to do that, but what actually happens is you get home, you upload everything to your computer, you're probably jet lagged or, you know, just exhausted, even if you were just, you know, away for a day or a three day weekend or something. And so you, you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. And then you go back to work, you go back to work and then, well, I'll catch up on it next weekend. I'll have some free time. And then it just never happens. Meanwhile, all the time from when you took those photos to when you got home, there was all sorts of good opportunities to do that, that work, which is it's part of it is kind of mindless because you're, you're making your photos more useful by, by adding keywords and such. So you can find them later in your library. Um, and so there are plenty of times you could do that either like in your hotel room or on the plane or in, in the car Hopefully not when you're driving, and um, you can do that using well the, the the apps that I talk about in my book. Uh, there's one called Photosmith, and there's another one called Photos Info Pro, and that lets you take care of all that 
in the, the, the dead times when you wouldn't normally be doing something else, or um, especially when it comes to, to rating your photos, being able to pick out the good ones and, and know which ones those were, which is not something that you can do, say, in the camera roll. And Jeff, so, that's so something. So all of I, this syncs back to i iPhoto or Aperture. Um, no, of course not. Well, oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> well uh, yes and no. Um, okay. So the 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 great thing about um, about PhotoSmith is that it will sync directly with Lightroom, and um, Lightroom being the the sort of big dog currently of of, of photo management apps. Uh, they they developed a, a plugin that lets you just um, basically when you're on the same Wi-Fi network as your computer that has Lightroom running, you can just um, initiate a sync and all that metadata, all the ratings, all the titles that you've given it, they all get transferred over with the images into Lightroom and then like suddenly like all that work is done. You can also the, the Photos Info Pro and PhotoSmith. Uh, you can export that data as XMP sidecar files, which are basically little text files that are created with the same name as the image. And then when you import those into, say, Aperture, Aperture reads both of the files and, and applies the metadata. So you and can squish them together. It, does it, and it combines the files, in essence, yeah. by putting the metadata in. So you don't have any more sidecar at that point. It's just the photo with that metadata. I think uh, I think what Aperture does is it it basically takes it, it it reads the metadata and in its own database assigns that to the photo. So I think the sidecar file still stays, but it's it's a text file. It's like you know, very small. Yeah, very very small. Does that work with iPhoto as well? Um, no, I, I, iPhoto is 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 uh, unfortunately dense. I yeah. don't think it. It, it, it does it all. So. But, you know, yeah. even how I, I've always done it, and I'm going to check out these apps because I'm actually going on vacation after we record this show. Yeah, but David, the, um, David properly timed this episode. Yeah. I don't so, think I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> but so, but what I've always done, and it's really kind of fun when you're on vacation, no matter where you're at, is to get the family around the iPad Mm-hmm. at the end of the day and just look at the pictures you took during the course of the day. And I do a lot of deleting at that point because uh, I always shoot too many pictures. I mean, if I've got people standing there, I'll take four or five pictures and just pick the best one and delete the other four. And and why not just do it right then when you're going through it? So we kind of have fun going through and looking at the pictures together. But I also cull down the library and I'm not applying any metadata at all. All I'm doing is just, you know, getting rid of you know, two thirds of the pictures I shoot. Mm-hmm. A- and then I, um, from there, I've got a backup onto the iPad and I, and I actually do buy a larger size iPad. And this is one of the reasons is when I go on vacation, I want to be able to hold all my photos. And then when I get home, I import from the iPad to aperture. And then, you know, I, I fiddle more at that point. Right. Well, um, and sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, 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 sorry, I was just going to say that, um, like playing it back in my head, I, I was, I'm sure that I made that whole um, you know tagging process sound really thrilling. You you can add metadata. Ooh, quick! Yeah. Everybody, run to get to do metadata. Um, and it, part of that is because a, a project I'm working on now is sort of focused on on, on metadata. Um, I think the 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 more important, um, at least the more 
entertaining aspect of that is being able to rate your photos and and that can be either like you know um your own personal enjoyment because you get to like sit and and revisit what happened during the day or during the weekend and you know pick out the good ones and um or um like you said like like you know bring everybody over so that everybody can sort of pick out the things that that they like and and decide that uh you know like maybe there was one that you wanted to get rid of because it was overexposed but someone else would be like no but like like the the person's um you know facial expression is perfect right there so even though it's overexposed you need to keep that and and so you know like like that's kind of the fun part of taking photos in the first place because you get to relive those moments and this way you can do that on the iPad while you're there um, and assign those ratings so that later on you know which are the good ones and which are the ones that that might need more work or which ones are just sort of ho-hum and which ones to get rid of. But you're doing that in a very hands-on way right there rather than, you know, back at home you go into your study or the kitchen table or whatever and everybody's sort of gone off and done their own things in their own, um, you know, their own sort of daily patterns. Now, do you do these apps work out of the photos library, or do you have to copy the photos over to these apps to do this work? It depends. Most of them read from the library. Um, Photosmith in version two, it it used to read from the library, and the the developers ran into a lot of problems because. Um, and I should state up front, I'm not a developer, um, and so this is sort of you know secondhand from developers, um, but. As I understand it, the 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 photos app, the database that that, that handles all of all your photos and, and the camera roll, um, is not terribly robust, especially when you have um, other apps that want to read from them a lot or you know assign data. And basically, the 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 Photosmith guys they were running into all sorts of crashes, and it all pointed back to the the the, the ongoing interaction with the camera roll. So for version three, they said, okay, we're going to have to sort of rewrite a lot of stuff that Apple provides, but we can do it on our own. And so they made it so that in, in Photosmith 3, uh, you can link to those um, camera roll photos, but the smarter way to do it is to actually import them into Photosmith and then work with them there. And then if you're low on space, you would go into the camera roll and, and delete the images there because you end up with, with duplicates. And that makes it more, more stable and sort of has it in its own little uh, uh, protected area. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because that's, yeah. that's a subject I have questions about in terms of what happens to the photo format and backing up with iCloud. There, there's a couple pieces of this that I, I, this is a personal consultation now, Jeff, <laughs> I need your help. Okay. But, uh, but before we do that, I want to talk about our second sponsor and that's Pixelmator. Great. And what an appropriate sponsor for the show, Katie. Uh, so Pixelmator has been a longtime sponsor of our show. We really love them. They make a, a fantastic photo and graphics app. And I always talk about it as a photos app because it, it just does so many things with photos. The newest version out now, 2.2 Blueberry, added some really great features. It's got those smart shapes and custom shapes, and it's got uh, gradients built into it now. And it's got these great like 
pre-applied filters. So if you want to make it look like you shot it in the seventies or, you know, have a leak, a light leak around it, that there's some really nice stuff you can do with it. I'll tell you, I've been using Pixelmator a lot lately. Um, frankly, Katie, for the next uh, field guide, because I'm doing a bunch hmm. of graphics in it. And I've always thought about it as a photo a photography app, but then I've got icons and things I'm using in the book and I want to apply a gradient filter to them and a little bit of shading and, and some different things. I want the new book to look different than the last ones. And I was going to have a graphics friend do the stuff for me. And I said, heck with it. So I went to pixelmator.com uh, slash tutorials and I watched all the tutorials on kind of the graphics end of Pixelmator. And I got really, you know, pretty good at this. I'm using layers and, you know, clearly I'm not a, a professional at this stuff, but uh, someone with my, you know, limited abilities was able to pull it together in an hour or two. And now I can do some really nice graphics work to any kind of image, not just photos. And it's all with this pixel meter that I paid $15 for. So this is an application that just keeps giving. Uh, with respect to the kind of stuff we're talking about on the, today's show, Pixelmator is really great because once you get those photos back to your Mac, there's things you're going to want to do with them that Aperture or Lightroom or iPhoto just doesn't do. And this is the app you want to use. You know, you can send it to an external editor. And like I said, for just 15 bucks and a little bit of your time to learn how some of these tools work, you're going to really improve the quality of your photographs. So go check out Pixelmator. It's at pixelmator.com. Uh, watch a few of the tutorials if you're questioning it, but it's really kind of a no-brainer at that price. Uh, get it onto your Mac and start using it to make really great photos and, and let them know you heard from us because uh, that always makes us look great. And I want to look great, you know? Why is that okay? Right? I think that's fine. Yeah, okay. Check out Pixelmator. And thanks, Pixelmator, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. Now, Jeff, this is the thing that, you know, because I know just enough about this stuff to be dangerous. Sometimes I shoot with RAW. Sometimes I shoot with JPEG. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like adding the iPad into the middle of this workflow. You know, I've got the memory stick with the image on it. And then suddenly I'm going to send it to the iPad and do things like delete it or just view it. And then it's going to go from the iPad to the Mac. And so I've inserted somebody in the middle of this workflow. And, uh, and according to, you know, different sources, some people say, well, once you put it into your photo library, it's going to lower the resolution or it's going to, you know, it's going to convert raw to JPEG or it's going to do something or even make the image itself smaller so it can have an easy iCloud backup. Please demystify this for me. <laughs> Am I, should I be worried about putting stuff on the iPad in between? Uh, you should not be worried, but you should be aware that, that there are... Uh... I don't want to say complications, but there, there are 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 definitely uh, kinks, I guess you could say. So, um, and this is another thing that that I I, I have in my book. I I spent you know a, a stupid amount of time like trying to figure out good workflows and made diagrams and stuff um, because it's it's a little weird and it it, it breaks down to this. Um, if I can break it down, yeah, please do. So. Uh, the iPad doesn't necessarily read raw images. So um, to back up briefly, you might want to shoot uh, raw images because you get a, a much greater um, uh, range of tonal values. And, and at least when you put it on your, your computer, you can do a lot more in terms of editing with a raw file than, say, a JPEG because a JPEG... Uh, 
when you're just shooting JPEGs, the camera is basically taking the image and uh, optimizing it based on its own algorithms and then saving it in a very compressed state. So it's, it's actually throwing away data. Um, in most cases, you don't really notice, and so it's not that big of a deal. But if you really are looking to edit your stuff later, you might want to shoot it uh, shoot in RAW. So yeah, you- I guess to simplify it is if you um, if you want to shoot in RAW, it it's everything that the naked sensor sees. It doesn't make any adjustments to it, but exactly. the file is exponentially bigger than yes. a JPEG. So, you know, the downside, so, but if later you wanted to go in and access what the sensor saw and make the image better and a lot of, I mean, like professional photographers, I, I would imagine Jeff, you almost exclusively shoot in raw, right? For the most or part. My, yeah. Yeah. But you know, for most people just taking pictures of their kids at the ball game, JPEG is probably just fine. But so I've got a camera that can shoot raw and sometimes I do have it shoot raw. Mm-hmm. And so what am I, am I corrupting that by putting it onto the iPad or am You're I converting n- it to JPEG, I guess? You're not corrupting it. Um, so, so, so what happens? So the iPad uh, can't read raw files natively, and that's because all the camera manufacturers they create raw files and they 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 change the raw files from model to model almost. Yeah. Um, and they're all proprietary, and that's why you frequently get you know like camera raw software updates for for OS X because Apple has to be able to decode all of those things. It's, it's kind of a big mess and they're all trying to protect their own turf and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, so, so the iPad does not have all of that, all of those raw converters and, and all that built in. So what the iPad does is when you import, if you shoot just in, in raw format. So the image that you're creating, the image file is just a, a, a raw file. The iPad will use the JPEG preview that the camera created to enable you to see whatever that 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 raw image is. Yeah. Um, in in many cases, that's fine. You know, you you can you can look at it, you can zoom in, and you get a good idea of of, of what the raw file will look like, and and that's sort of based on on how the camera is is going to um, process it. But that's basically a typically a lower resolution uh, preview image that is just used so that you can look on the back of your camera and see what the picture you shot roughly looks like. Yeah. And so, so the iPad will use that. And so that's why if you just shoot raw and then you want to go and edit something, what you're editing is actually that, that comparatively low resolution preview. And so you may not get the results you want. So, and, and if I, for instance, put that image into iPhoto for iPad and mm-hmm. started fiddling with it, I'm not making any adjustments to the raw image, right? I'm just fiddling with the JPEG preview. That's correct. Now, okay. on the Mac, that's not a big deal because um, the uh, iPhoto or Aperture or Lightroom will generate its its own preview of that raw file based on on its interpreters. So, like, that's not an issue, but. When you put the iPad in the mix, because the iPad doesn't have that that broad support, it will uh, just use the preview. So, if you know that you're going to be shooting with the intent to to edit, or you want to make sure that you're you're sharing uh, good or well better 
quality images, then if your camera supports it, you would want to shoot uh, in the RAW plus JPEG format. And then when you do that, the iPad ignores whatever preview the camera might make for the raw image, and it, it sees, oh, there's a, there's a nice big JPEG attached to this, uh, and, and uses that. And so then when you edit that, you're editing the JPEG that was created along with the raw file. So you're actually importing two files, so you're, you're taking up even more space. Yeah. But it gives you more flexibility for editing. Now, some... Sorry. Do is, go ahead. is that, okay. is that <laughs> common for to have photos that will do the raw plus JPEG? Because I've heard of them shooting in raw, but is the raw plus JPEG a new thing, or have I just not seen it or not been looking in the right place? I think it's... Um, my my old Canon did it, and yeah. okay. and okay. so does my new Olympus. So I don't think it's that unusual. I think I, I mean this isn't comprehensive, but I think any camera that will support RAW will also give a, a RAW plus okay. JPEG option. So turn um, it on and get a bigger memory card. Yeah, yeah, and and the camera will also have options so you can create uh, like really low resolution JPEGs or really high resolution JPEGs, and so. You got to kind of figure out the trade-off. I just go ahead and 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 have it have the camera create the the highest resolution JPEG that it can, so that even though that's taking up more space, when I bring it into the iPad, I have more options for for editing and and such. Um, if can I can I just interrupt please, there for a minute? Do, so, yeah. so my so my theory on this is, um, I I got when I first got a digital camera, I had no ability to edit, and I. I started looking in my library and I'd see that we'd have a birthday party and I'd have 400 pictures or some crazy thing. Mm -hmm. And I became just ruthless. I mean, I'm not kidding when I said delete four out of five pictures. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'll take four pictures of people standing around and I'll delete all four of them because I'm just not happy with any of them. And, and my justification for that is, you know, I'm not looking for the Paula Lewinsky in the dress picture, right? I'm, I'm just looking for nice family pictures. So I don't need to keep everything, but I do shoot raw and keep a big JPEG along with it because I'm not keeping everything. So it's okay if I use the biggest file size, but I'm a little confused now. So I'm, I've got it on my iPad and, and uh, I'm not sure. Uh, if we're going to have time today to talk about, but I, I really like iPhoto for the iPad. I think it's a great way to kind of fiddle with pictures. That's great. Yeah. Um, but the, um, so I, so now I understand when I'm doing that, I'm fiddling with the JPEG, not the raw image. And I apply filters and do things with it and have fun with it. And then when I get back home and I plug my iPad into my Mac, what, what goes from my iPad to aperture? Do I get the raw and the modified JPEG or is it, what happens? Yes. So um, in most cases, uh, let's say you have a, a, a raw JPEG pair and you haven't done anything with it. You're just like, hey, this is good, but you didn't you didn't edit it or whatever. It just uh, didn't get it just didn't get deleted, which for me is, is something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so that will just get imported into your your software. And um, in most cases, the JPEG will just be ignored um, or maybe even thrown away. Um and and then your software will work with the raw image. Aperture actually has um, when you're importing, you can choose. You can say if there's a raw plus JPEG pair, like just import the raw or just import the JPEG, or it has has a couple of different options for that. Yeah. So um, if you if you 
take that image and you edit it in iPhoto on the iPad um, or, you know, Snapseed or any number of these. Um, Which is another great app, by the way, Snapseed. Snapseed This could be a very expensive show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yes. First, go out and buy all new camera equipment, and then you have to go to Alaska. um, Because Katie needs to go back to Alaska now. and. uh, so, um, but I interrupted you. So please, this, I'm 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 anxious to hear. Sorry, it. What do sorry, I do? I'm, I'm I'm going on tangents. No. Uh, so so once you edit it in in iPhoto, it's going to basically stay in iPhoto, and then you will need to then um, get it out of iPhoto either by like sharing it to Flickr or saving it back to the camera roll, which is sort then of it's the, a different picture. The, the and then it's a different picture, and then it's 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 the edited version of that picture. So when you which is JPEG. Right. Okay. Um, it, yeah, and uh, that's good to mention is that all of the... Well, if the, you've they, been JPEG on the iPhone, if you've been editing on iPhoto on the iPhone, you've been JPEG all along. But if you've been editing on iPhone on the Mac, and then you could have discarded... I'm sorry. If you've been editing on your Mac, you might have discarded that JPEG. Am I right? And then now you're recreating it, essentially, from the edited version? Katie, um, I don't know what you just said. No? Okay. <laughs> I, no I know what no, I no, said. I, I I I I track most of that. If um if you if you bring in the the raw and JPEG pair, um, right? And and your Mac doesn't necessarily need the JPEG, so it may ask you, "What do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to get rid of this? Do you want me to keep it?" I th- I think like in the case of iPhoto, I, I think it just ignores it. Um, okay. Or or it might use that as the preview, but but when you're editing, uh. I would have to go back in iPhoto and see. In in Aperture and Lightroom, you are editing the 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 raw file, or you know, editing on top of the raw file because the raw file actually never gets gets touched because that's like your your negative. Um, and then, if you edit an image on the iPad, then um, your only option actually is to is to save it as a JPEG, and so you can figure out where to save that. So so um, let's just say. You take an image, it, it, RAW plus JPEG, you open it in iPhoto on the iPad, you make it black and white, then you would need to do something with that. So you put it back in your photo library as a black and white image. You put it back in in your camera roll. And then when you import your images uh, from your camera roll into your Mac, you would end up with two images. You would end up with the, the original color RAW version and then the edited black and white version. Okay, one more question. Yes. Because I, while you were talking, I went and spent twenty dollars and bought PhotoSmith <laughs> <laughs> because that's how I roll. I can't help myself, and uh, so I have PhotoSmith now. And it just occurred to me when I put those images in the PhotoSmith and want to rate them, it what is it? What is getting rated? Is it, will it be the raw image when I import it, or will it just be a JPEG? It'll be the raw image. Ph- PhotoSmith is is smart about keeping the raw and the JPEGs together, and so. So you're basically rating that pair. So, oh. so you're rating that photo, which is comprised of the raw and the JPEG version. Okay. I want to take this one more layer deep of the onion. So yes. the other, the other thing, and I got in trouble about talking about this several years ago on our show saying when iCloud first came out, I said, Oh, this is great. You go on vacation, save your pictures to your photo library and they're already backed up when you get home, you know, just leave, you know, Aperture iPhoto running on your home computer and everything is great, dandy. And somebody wrote and said, Dave, you're making a big mistake because 
The version that's getting uploaded through the iCloud backup is not the same fidelity and size of, as the one off your camera. I think that that was true then. I think that that uh, that now they are uh, backing up just the same size. Now, PhotoStream is not grabbing the the raw image. So no, obviously, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it it's only doing a JPEG, but I don't think it downsamples anymore. Um, it, before, but it, but it can only grab what's there for the JPEG. So that's another reason to either have the JPEG or have the high quality JPEG, or and yes. have the high quality yeah. JPEG. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm picturing true. a listener right now saying, just like literally banging her head against a wall, saying, "Sorry, I don't, sorry, I listener. don't, I don't care about raw." I have a camera and I take JPEG figures. David, will you please shut up? And, uh, we'll, we'll, and I guess we'll get to that in a minute. That's an, that's <laughs> the next question. <laughs> yeah, Katie, that's like nothing you've never said, right? Um, the uh, but I guess the next question is: Do I even need to worry about RAW for someone who's shooting family pictures? Probably not. See, um, that's that's, that's yeah. That just basically is what I probably have needed to hear years ago. Yeah. So you know, the, like the. The, the main compelling reason to shoot raw is because you want to have like all of the data that was captured and, um, you know, and, and not edited by the camera, not optimized on anything so that you have the opportunity to edit it yourself and have like the most control over that edit in something like, um, you know, Lightroom or Aperture or Photoshop or something that can really take advantage of, of all the different raw adjustments that can be made. If you are, you know, not as concerned about that, if you know that all of your shots are basically going to be, you know, like, like this is a record of what happened, not necessarily this is what I'm going to enter into a photo competition. Shooting a high resolution JPEG is perfectly fine. And in fact, um, you know, I, it's sort of, I've sort of made it sound like, you know, if you're shooting JPEG, or if your camera only shoots JPEG, you need to throw it away because it doesn't do RAW. Well, you know, JPEG is actually very robust in, in the sense that, you know, it it actually creates very good images. It's very good compression. You don't look at it and say, wow, that's like really, really badly compressed unless it's on like a really low setting. And so, you know, that's why most cameras just shoot JPEG because it does a really good job. So for your needs, you don't necessarily need to worry about all that. You might want to maybe switch to raw if you are, you know, in some place that's just, you know, breathtaking. Shooting a waterfall or sunset. Shooting a waterfall, yeah. You know, something where you know that that you may want to, say, you know, pull some some highlights into a dark area that you may not be able to to do on a, a standard JPEG setting. For yeah, you, you know what's got me thinking that is is really the iPhoto app and some of these other iPad apps because I've really been doing more creative stuff with photos using my iPad alone than I ever did with a computer. And, uh, you know, that touch, you know, it's really nice. So mm-hmm. I, I have really been rethinking all of this. And, yeah. and with my new camera, it's very easy to switch between RAW and JPEG. So if I really wanted to take a picture that I wanted to go nuts on, I could. Definitely. Well, and... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Jeff. Because I was well, going to switch subject to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, I'll I'll add like one little one little you know piece of sand to put in in David's shoe. There actually are apps that um, that will read 
and edit uh, raw files. There's one called I'm, now you're just messing Piranha. with me. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was it? What was it called? I'm sorry, I uh, talked to. It's it's called Piranha. P i r a w h n a to to capitalize on the the pun. Um, yeah. And they, I see those as very promising future apps because although they can read the raw files, um, the, the, the developers have to, you know, build in the support for all the different, uh, formats of, of raw that the, the companies make. But, um, right now on the existing hardware, um, they're really slow. They're, they're really memory intensive. Uh, and, you know, especially since the iPad doesn't have a whole lot of, of, of active memory versus storage memory. And, you know, if you really, really need to pull some detail on the spot right then and you have no other option, then that would probably work fine or it might crash once or twice and then work fine. So that's possible. And, you know, I think in, in five years, if you were to ask me, you know, well, what about editing raw on an iPad? And I would say, well, yes, you just open this and there you go. And by then yeah. there might be, you know, Lightroom for iPad or whatever. So it sure, it sure would be nice if all the camera manufacturers would get together and, you know, have a drink and decide to, to use a common format for raw. Yeah. Yeah. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't know if there'll be Lightroom for iPad. Maybe there'll be Aperture for iPad though. Who knows? Even five years from now. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, well... Um, maybe maybe the war will be over. Well, Adobe has done stuff for the they iPad. Have, Adobe, they have done stuff for iPad. They actually, uh, a, f- a few months ago, they, they basically dem- uh, demoed a very rough um, proof of concept of, of... They didn't call it Lightroom. They were like, you know, we're just kind of playing around and seeing if this is possible. And so it's definitely something they're working on. Who knows what the timeline is? But um, I mean, because it was it was very rough. It was you know obviously straight from a, a, a programmer's desk. But um, you know it's it's possible, and you know the the processors are going to get better. The memory is going to increase. Um, I I personally think that that the idea of taking a laptop on vacation to do anything but work is going to be really weird, unless you just need like heavy iron to do you know your your big photo shoot production work. Um, no, I agree. I mean, Katie just did a, a 16 day vacation with just an iPad. And did yeah. you process photos on your iPad during the vacation, Katie? I didn't edit photos really now. I just, okay. you know, backed them up and looked at them and yeah, sent them off some more. You really should have listened to the show first. I should have. I should have listened to the show first. <laughs> Ugh, shame on me. But let's let's talk about that. Let, let's talk yeah. about the apps that we can can use to edit photos on our iPad and our iPhone because that's that's a probably I think a big part of what what people want to hear about. But before we do that, I do want to take a moment and talk about our last sponsor for this episode, and that is Squarespace. And Squarespace is really everything that you need to make an amazing looking website. And David and I are both long-term Squarespace users. We run our personal websites off of them. And the thing about Squarespace that, that I like is that it is just so simple to use. Whether you can be a designer if you want, they've got some, you can be a developer if you want. They've, they've got special things where the developers can work and you can hook all kinds of things into Squarespace using their developer program. Or you can just be somebody like me 
who really wants to spend my time writing content for my site and doing my podcast and doing my thing. And I don't want to mess with my site. I don't want to have to do updates. I don't want to have to know PHP or SQL or any of that other kind of stuff that when things go bad, I've got to update databases and restore from a backup and all of that other kind of stuff. I just want to know that my site is going to work, that it's going to be up, that it's not going to crash if I get linked by somebody. And just go do my thing and write my stuff and post it on my site and have it look good and not have to put a lot of thought into it. And that's what's great about Squarespace because I can do that or you can go take it to the complete other extreme and you can put a lot of thought into your site and you can design custom bits of code and snippets and you know, change the style sheets. I actually did experiment a little bit with changing the style sheets and you can get as complex as you want or you can just pick one of their award-winning templates and and let it go. So they have these beautiful designs for you to start with. There are a ton of different style options so that no two Squarespace sites look exactly alike, even if you want to go ahead and use one of their custom templates. Do you want the navigation bar on the left, on the right, on no navigation bar? Drag and drop sliders. If you can do that, you can create a custom looking website with Squarespace. And they take care of all the hosting. So you don't have to go around and put together all these pieces. You don't have to get, you know, this piece from someone and this piece from someone and this piece from someone. They've got all kinds of plans. If you're a light user, you can get out for just a couple of bucks a month. They've also got an unlimited plan. Or they've got a Squarespace commerce site where you can actually sell stuff using Squarespace sites. They don't take a commission or anything. You just pay them a fee and they take care of all the back end and they make it work. So if this sounds like something that might be of interest to you, you can try Squarespace for free. Go to squarespace.com. And all you have to do is give them an email address. You can start a two-week trial. You can import your existing blog over to Squarespace, move your stuff over, see what you can go ahead and, and start building in your first two weeks. Once you decide that you want to do something, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. But on top of that, you can get 10% off if you use our coupon code, and that is MPU8. So go check them out, squarespace.com. And as always, thanks to Squarespace for continuing to support the Mac Power users. And, and that's MPU number eight, right? Yes. You MPU don't you don't spell out eight. eight. Yeah. No. Also, um, about Squarespace, uh, please send in your Squarespace sites because we've been wanting to promote listeners, and uh, we just got out of the habit of doing that. So send in your Squarespace sites. We're going to be picking some for future ad spots. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now All we're right. going to talk about iPad photo editing. Yeah. So once I've got all these photos on my iPad and once I figured out how to link them up, what are some of your favorite tools that I can use to correct blemishes, to correct the color, to maybe do some a little wackier stuff? I mean, more than just your average, oh, I'm going to apply a filter and Instagram this and send it out. Yeah. Um, I think first on my list would be Snapseed. Um, and th that's a, a little app. It was um, the company was acquired by Google, and as a result, Google made the app free, which is great. Um, Snapseed. What I like about it is um, so so the, uh, Snapseed will let you apply all sorts of transformations. You can um, you know uh, apply filters, but you can also just make um, adjustments like um, you know. Uh, exposure and color and, and straightening and cropping and things like that. Um, what's great about it is that it's sort of like, like the anti-Photoshop. And by that, I mean that if you've used Photoshop, like Photoshop is a lot of uh, menus and, and, and levers and sliders. And, you know, like you sort of feel like you're in a, you know, space shuttle cockpit to get things done with Snapseed there's sort of no 
interface. And what you do is, if you want to increase the exposure, you tap on the screen and you move your finger up, and that that increases. If you want to decrease the exposure, you I, I'm sorry, uh, you move it to the right, um, and then you move it to the left to decrease. And to switch between modes, let's say you then want to adjust the contrast, you move your finger up and down, and that sort of brings up this this uh, temporary controller that says, oh, you want to do um, contrast or you want to do detail. And it's very, I hesitate to say hands-on because obviously your, 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 your hands are on it because it's, 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 you know, tactile, like you're using your fingers, but it feels sort of more organic. And it's especially great if you want to just, you know, go in, make a few corrections and then save to, um, you know, Google Plus or um, your camera roll or Facebook or what, what have you. And for me, the common denominator always is the camera roll. I always end up putting things there, and then maybe I'll send it to another app if I want to play with it further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? What do you think? Yeah, that's a fine idea. The, the, the camera roll is sort of like the, 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 um, the foundation layer where everything can get, can get stored because the, uh, the, the camera roll is accessible by all of the other apps, whereas if you edit something in iPhoto, you can't then do more editing with Snapseed because everything is sandboxed, so you can't like go and yeah. pluck something out. So the, the camera roll is a fine place to sort of take something and then, and then um, put it to the camera roll and then grab it with something else. So in my mind, what I'm doing is essentially flattening the image back to the camera roll from whatever I've done in Snapseed. And then I may open an iPhoto and pick up where I left off. Yeah. 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 So Snapseed is very good. Um, I find myself actually uh, using iPhoto the most uh, because it, um, I wouldn't say that Apple stole the idea from Snapseed. I think that the timing was just very coincidental. Um, and, but uh, in iPhoto, it also has a lot of controls that are just, you know, you can move a slider if you want. But if you want to say, you know, um, increase the, the the greens of an image, you would tap somewhere like in a grassy area, and it knows because of where you tapped that oh, this area is sort of green, so perhaps you want to adjust the the the, the green levels here, um, and and then move your finger back and forth to increase or or or, or decrease that. Um, uh, another nice thing about iPhoto that the iPhoto for Mac doesn't do, you can do um, specific area adjustments. So, uh, for example, if you have, like, a, a picture of strawberries that's a little underexposed, um, like, the background looks fine, but the stra- strawberries themselves are kind of dark, you can just go in and grab uh, the um, uh, light and brush and just touch up those with your finger and, and, and just bring out, some of the, the the detail and the color just in in those specific areas. And it's fu- it's funny how they don't say dodge and burn; they say lighten and darken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes a lot of sense for you know most of us that have not spent years in Photoshop. Oh yeah, or a darkroom or a real darkroom. Yes, exactly. Because that's where dodge and burn came from. Why do I need to jump out of the way of my iPad? It's yeah, <laughs> light it on fire. Just stick your <laughs> hand over it. it; it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, so iPhoto is, is, is great for that. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the next version of iPhoto, the next major version 
looks more like the iOS version, just just because of of some of the controls and stuff that they've put in there. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, moving on. I think um, if if you want, you can like if you're more comfortable with a a Photoshop kind of, of approach. Uh, there's an app called Photogene that does a lot of what Photoshop can do, uh, and you know it gives you layers, it gives you sliders, it gives you you know adjustments that that sort of mirror what what Photoshop is capable of doing. Um, Adobe also has their own that you can get Photoshop Touch, which is Photoshop for the iPad, and um, it's it's actually a little funky. You might be expecting more of a Photoshop approach, and it sort of like goes to the left of that. It's 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 almost like it was a different team. It probably was a different completely. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like the idea of it in the sense that Adobe is thinking like, how can we take this power and adapt it to a touch interface rather than how can we cram Photoshop onto a tablet? So so that's it's. It's promising and it can do a lot of a lot of nifty stuff, so that that's good too. Um, another uh, one that's sort of new, I think it came out maybe in February or March, um, is an app called Handy Photo. And what's neat about Handy Photo, it, it can do some some of those adjustments and things, um, but it also rolls in a couple of of um, apps that the company had developed as standalone things into one app. So there's one, uh, a feature called Retouch, and it uses what Adobe calls uh, content-aware fill or content-aware healing, where, um, it, well, in an example that, that I, I've used before, um, I have this picture of my daughter. She's, she's five. She's playing in, in leaves, and she's looking very adorable, and I, I was very happy with how the pictures turned out, except for the fact that I was a bad photographer, and I wasn't paying attention to the background. And so if you can imagine young girl in, you know, lots of brown and orange leaves, and then over her left shoulder, there's this, like, bright red, yellow, blue plastic tricycle something. And it, I mean, it, it stands out, and it's ugly, and I, you know, smacked my forehead. I was like, oh, how did I not see that? Because I was focused on her. Yeah. Well. Um, handy photo using this, this retouch, uh, uh, feature, you basically just paint over that tricycle or whatever it is. Um, and when you double tap, the, the tricycle goes away and it intelligently fills in that background based on, on what's surrounding it. And literally you do that and you can't tell that, that the tricycle was, was there. And that's, that app is just $2 and. Yeah, you know, after we finish every episode and it publishes, I get emails invariably from listeners saying, "You really cost me a lot of money today, Dave. Thanks a lot." Well, <laughs> you're Jeff, welcome, Jeff. You really cost me a lot of money today. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm having fun buying some of these photo apps. So two bucks. This handy photo looks really great. I've never heard of it before. Like, yeah, they've got they've got an image here of a guy bungee jumping over a lake, and they completely cut the bungee jumper out, and it you can't even tell. Yeah, Although it's a small image, so I don't know, maybe, but wow, it's 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 pretty impressive. Um, you know, it it won't work on everything. Um, you know, if you try to you know remove somebody's head, it doesn't really know what to do. Um, and so you know, areas that that are sort of more 
either blurry or noisy tend to work better. And, and that, that would be the case even, you know, using Photoshop CC or CS6 or whatever. That's just kind of the way the, the, the technology works right now. Um, but, uh, you know, as another example, um, if you are, are, are rotating an image, so let's say you, you, you took a shot and, um, you know, the, the horizon is just way off and you want to straighten that out. Well, when you do that, you have to enlarge the image slightly. Otherwise, you end up um, having just sort of like some blank areas in the corners after you, yeah. after you rotate it. Um, what, what Handy Photo can do is instead of zooming in and, and cutting things off, it can fill in those edges based on on what what was nearby. So it would you know fill in the little corner of sky and a little corner of rocks or whatever that that would then let you um, rotate that photo and straighten it without having to you know lose a lot of of the area around it. So that's 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 pretty cool. Um, there are you know there are a ton of of um, you know different uh, you know, filters and effects. And I mean, I don't know it, what's encouraging about sort of photography and, and the iPad is to go to the app store and see just how many photo apps there are. And sure. A lot of them are just going to be knockoffs or, you know, one shot things. Um, but you know, like, like there's, there's also, also some real depth there, which is, which is exciting to see. Have you come across anything really good for managing duplicate photos? Because, you know, I have had a couple of issues with duplicate photos, and this may not necessarily be an iPad question, so I may be, may be breaking the rules a little bit. But, mm -hmm. you know, as, I, as I've imported, you know, photos that have been on my camera card or, but, oh, those photos somehow ended up in my photo stream too. So now I've got two copies of the photos. One came from my photo stream. One came from my camera card. And, oh, mm. maybe maybe a third copy came from Dropbox because of Dropbox camera upload. You know, I've got some cases where I, I may end up with three copies of the same photo in my in my photo library. Um, have you have you ended, have you found anything that's good for that? I have it not n not for 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 dealing with it on the iPad. Um, there's an app. Uh, it's not really. Uh, not really specific to this. There's an app called PhotoWorks, uh, W-E-R-K-S, um, and it basically uh, looks at your camera roll, but organizes it like in a a a you know calendar like month and day uh, method. So rather than just sort of having this you know big field of of photo icons, it gives it a little bit more structure. And all it's doing is just reading the dates from the images, but yeah, that, which is something iOS seven is supposed to answer as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, so that would make it easier to see, uh, you know, like, like easier to, to sort of group images together. But um, now I, I don't know of anything that would specifically like go and look for duplicates. Yeah, and I'd like to back up just a little bit, Jeff. Mm -hmm. uh, something we kind of skipped over at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the iFi. And, um, you know, not everybody's going to go buy an iFi, you know, and deal with all of that. A lot of people are going to be bringing images into their their iPad just through um, their, SD, their SD card. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I, I guess the camera connection kit, is that the, the best and only way to do that? Or is there other ways to make that happen? That's the most direct route. So, so then the camera connection kit are, are basically, um, uh, you know, dongles, um, uh, adapters. Uh, the, the, the actual camera kit, if you have a 30 pin iPad, so an iPad three or earlier, um, you get two pieces, one uh, that lets you plug in an SD card directly or one that has a USB port so you can connect the camera using a, a, a USB cable. Um, and that just, just lets you, you know, pull things off of, off of the, the camera. Um, and then for, for, uh, for lightning equipped uh, iPads, you can get the same thing, but you have to buy them separately. There's one USB one and one um, SD card one. Uh, and, and those only work for iPads, as I recall. They do not it, work for iPhones. Good point. Yes, yes. Yeah, only for iPads. Um, now, how do you do it? I actually, I, I usually just use the, well, if I'm not shooting with an iFi card, then I will just uh, shoot and then use the, the camera connection kit with, with the, the, the SD card version. Um, and you know, that it, it takes a little bit of time because you're like, you're shooting and you stop and you, you know, plug it in and then wait for it to import. Um, but if you're in a hurry, then, you know, you, you load another memory card into your camera and you keep shooting while that imports on the side. But, so. but I found that, you know, using the camera connection kits actually faster than the iFi because, you know, the iFi is going sending the bits over the air as opposed to pulling it right off yeah. the copper. Yeah, it is. It, it, in terms of like like pure transfer time, it's faster. If you need to be able to, to review things or, you know, if you want your family to be reviewing things as you're shooting, then the, the iFi is sort of faster in the sense that, that you're getting things as you're shooting rather than you're shooting, then you have to stop and then you have to import and wait. So you're sort of... Uh, uh, you know, time shifting it by by using one version, one yeah. method or the other. Um, so those are kind of like like the the main ways of doing it. Uh, you can also bring photos in through like the the Dropbox app. So if you have you know photos in Dropbox, you can use the Dropbox app to to view them and copy them to the camera roll. It's it's not really ideal, but it's it's possible. Um, you can also go the other way, as as Katie mentioned. You can, um, you know, copy things from the iPad to Dropbox, so have a, have a good uh, remote uh, backup. Um, there are also one of the, the the new things in the book this time around, um, and it sort of feels like this is the, the sort of the cusp of technology. There are now some some uh, uh, Wi-Fi devices that sort of act like an iFi card. Or, 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 you know, like a wireless SD card in that you can uh, take shots and transfer them over. But what their real use is, is to control the camera from the iPad. So um, then there's a device called a Cam Ranger. There's another one called the um, a terrible name, the iUSB port camera. Uh, all one word, all with bizarre capitalization. Um <laughs> And <laughs> so, so what that does is allows you to essentially tether your camera to the iPad wirelessly. wirelessly. Yes. And then you can push a button on your iPad and the shutter goes off on your camera. Yeah. And you can control the settings of your camera. So if the camera is, you know, like let's say the camera needs to be locked down, like you're, 
you're shooting pictures of food or maybe you're, you're doing like a, like a, a night sky um, uh, kind of shooting situation where you don't want to move the camera, you can control it from the iPad. So that's, that's um, you know, definitely more specialized. These devices are like $300. So I don't think just your average uh, you know, recreational photographer will want to go and buy them. But it's, it's definitely very interesting in terms of, um, you know, having that sort of live feedback and live control, say, if you need to do some shooting in a studio, for example, or, um, you know, other, other areas. And, and also just you know, looking ahead to, oh, like the, the iPad is capable of, of this, like I can control my DSLR from my iPad. Well, that's kind of interesting. Or, you know, I can have somebody holding an iPad, reviewing things and not have to be near the camera, you know? So, you know, let's say you're a photographer and you have a client who's there for a photo shoot. They can go sit in a comfy couch somewhere and not breathing over your shoulder. So, you know, yeah, nice. that, that, that kind of thing, it, it's just, you know, an kind of an interesting niche that's, that's, uh, cropped up. Um, it sounds like you do a lot with your iFi card. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to have to go back and, and play with this thing again. I, I, I just had a bad experience, you know, started getting used to it. But as I think about it, maybe it's because I had the camera shooting a lot of raw photos too, even though I got the one that's supposed to manage raw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another <laughs> to throw another tiny wrench into our, our, our discussion of, of, of raw. Um, another very cool feature of shutter snitch is you can shoot raw plus JPEG and direct shutter snitch to only import the JPEG images. So that means that, that, uh, it, the raw images stay on your card, the raw images stay on your card. So you have faster transfers, and um, and then your card basically becomes like a, a, a you know your your original negative. Yeah. The only problem with that is because I use Shutter Snitch in a lot of ways to to delete you know bad pictures. Yeah. And that's not going to translate when I plug the card into the, the right. Mac. Eventually, all those original images all the stuff will show. Be, yeah. Yeah. I, I you know another thing iFi does is it. It does a raw, it does, I said the word raw again, didn't I, Katie? You're, um, you're really into this raw thing. I know, I got to let go. But it, do, it, <laughs> does a, it does a rough version of um, of GPS where it looks at local Wi-Fi and kind of places the photo for you. It just, I guess a rough version of GPS. It uses Skyhook, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot more you can do with your iPad, and Jeff has covered it all in the book. Like, one of the things you covered in the book is if you've got the right camera, you can go ahead and and uh, tether the camera to the iPad, which is kind of what you were talking about earlier Yeah. Uh, during a shoot, and, and even control it from the iPad. I think that's really cool. You talked a whole lot in the book about dealing with video on the iPad, which is really another show, but... <laughs> Uh, there's quite a few pages in here that that teach people how to do that. Yeah, Jeff, uh, tell tell us a little bit about the book and and you know people who, who might be interested. Who's who's it for? Who should be picking this up? Um, pretty much. Well, it's it, it's it sounds like a cop out. It's for everybody. Everyone should go out and buy one. Um, Just like my books, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so so uh, I was very deliberate in not not trying to 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 
dictate the book to either be, you know, to pro photographers or, you know, beginner photographers. So, you know, it like it, it really spans the gamut of, okay, you have an iPad and you have a camera. Here are some cool ways of, of making them work together. Or you're a professional photographer who needs to, you know, have a wireless tethering option. Here are the options there. So, um, you know, it's it's very deliberately trying to to hit that full gamut because uh, I think that that you know you don't have to be a professional photographer to use an iPad. Although I think a lot of professional photographers are now starting to use iPads. Um, so it's it's the whole idea behind it was you know being able to to bring an iPad with you when you're shooting, whether that's you know, in your house or at a family picnic or on vacation, and what can you do with your photos there? And so, you know, that that really hits sort of every different level because we're all taking pictures and we all want to do something with them. And here's the iPad, which has all these amazing photo-specific features that I don't even know if Apple could have anticipated that that so much photography related stuff would be done with the iPad when they first, you know, dreamed it up and, and, you know, seeing what a lot of developers have, have come up with based on that. So, you know, one of the things about the book is the pictures in the book are just gorgeous. I mean, just absolutely. Good. Did you shoot them all? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it, a lot of them are screenshots and stuff, but yeah, I, I shot them all and, um, uh, I give a lot of credit to Peach Pit for, for, uh, doing a good job of, of printing them and, um, you know, not, not going for a, you know, a, a, a cheapo color printing. The, the book turned out really great. So where can people find the book? Where can people find uh, you? What's the best way to get all of that? Uh, the basics. So um, the the book is available, um, you know, Barnes and Noble or other, you know, uh, quote unquote, bricks and mortar bookstores, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble online. Uh, you can go to peachpit.com. Uh, they they sell it. Um, but and I guess we should just restate because we said at the beginning of the show, it's it's the iPad for photographers. You, you've written a couple of books, but this is the one we've been talking about mainly yes. on this show. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, it, it's it's the iPad for photographers. Um, th this is the second edition. If you go to iPad for photographers.com, that's my, my companion website. And there are links there to, to buy the book, um, you know, iPad and photography related news, uh, things like that, that I post. Um, for example, if you wanted to buy the book from peach pit, they have a, a bundle offer so you can get a print version plus, uh, an ebook version so that you would have like, say for example, a copy at home that you can flip through on the couch and also a PDF that you can put on your iPad as reference while you're out shooting. So, um, and the, the retail price is, I have to find it, uh, $24.99 in the U S and I think currently, um, you can get it at like say Amazon for, um, I want to say like $16 or something like that since they, yeah, it's a uh, generous. Uh, it's interesting. It's eighteen twenty four on Amazon if you want to buy it, but you could rent it for seventeen twenty four. That is bizarre. <laughs> I've never seen renting the book. I don't. I don't know. Maybe a professor picked it up for their class or something. But you know, for a whole dollar in savings, you can rent it, but you got to give it back. 
That is bizarre. I'd I'd say pitch in the extra buck and buy it. I would also say that too. Um, and and the 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 Kindle edition is uh, ten bucks. Um, yeah. If if that helps in terms of you know financial. No, no matter where you want to read it, Jeff will. Um, Jeff has got a version for you. Yes. Jeff and Peach yes, Pitch. exactly. And it's it's really a great book. I, I've enjoyed uh, going through it, and I've enjoyed. I feel like I interrogated you too much today. I'm sorry, Jeff. Oh no, no, no! It's fun. You're kind of my photography therapist, in addition to being a really nice guy. So but, tell but me about your mother's camera. <laughs> you've, you've helped me out quite a bit. So, uh, and hopefully, I apologize to anyone in the audience that really got tired of listening to me. But you know, it kind of comes with the territory. Um, so everybody, uh, th- thanks Jeff for coming on the show. We're going to have to have you on again. It, and maybe we'll even talk about video videography one day. I would love it. That's a whole, like I said, a whole nother subject. So Katie, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this show. And there's a lot of them. Thanks. Thanks to JT for making those show notes for us over at five by five dot TV slash MPU slash one five one for this episode or at our website, MacPowerUsers.com. And you can find us uh, through email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, or you can find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers, as well as app.net. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. And Jeff, are you on the Twitters? I am at Jeff Carlson. All all smushed together, uh, that and uh, app.net. There you go. And uh, All right, well, I think that's going to about wrap us up for this episode. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Bye.